the world and always manages to get back in jeopardy again. I feel like the maid. I just cleaned up this mess. Can we keep it clean for, for ten minutes? I'm at the top of my game. I'm right up there with the big dogs. Girls, come on. Leave the saving of the world to the men? I don't think so. Super ladies, they're always trying to tell you their secret identity. Think it'll strengthen the relationships. began this uh, two-week series on Be Incredible with the question, what makes The Incredibles incredible? And uh, a number of you called out and shared why you thought The Incredibles were incredible. Greg down front said the costumes, and we agreed that that wasn't what made them incredible. Uh, none of us would want, you wouldn't want to see Greg and I in one of those costumes. Uh, so, uh, but what makes them incredible is a number of things. Uh, they're engaged with the world around them. They've discovered who they are. They continue to discover who they are and continue to engage in the world around them. And they experience all of this as a family. And it takes them a little while in the first uh, movie of 1994 for them to get to that place. But when they get to that place, they are incredible. And it's interesting, they're not incredible by themselves, they're incredible by being on the same team and by being a family. And uh, they find themselves really touching the world around them as the story goes. And uh, they do, we would say, make a difference. And obviously, that sounds familiar because our tagline, our goal as a church family is to make a difference in people's lives wherever they are. And so that, that rings true with us. And, uh, you know, so we are trying to discover who we are in connection with God and in connection with our relationship with him. Uh, this morning, you may be just checking those kinds of ideas out, and, and that's fine. It's great to have you here. But those of us who would say that we're Christ followers are trying to understand our identity in our relationship with God, in our relationship uh, with Christ. And so, so we're thinking those things, and we're thinking about how to discover who we are, and, and that kind of is something that uh, we just continually grow into. It's one of those things that's a process. It doesn't happen instantaneously. No matter who we are, there's always room for us to grow as Christ followers. Uh, none of us, hopefully, would say we've arrived. None of us would project that idea that we've arrived because we're, we're in progress and we're growing. And we want to grow into, as we saw last week, our shape and as we discover who that is. I don't know about you, but how many of you... Uh, you know, we've heard this sad story this week that Toys R Us is going away. But uh, another thing, how many of you ever had tough skin jeans from dungarees, not jeans, from, from Sears as a kid? Nobody? No, just a few. I, my mother would get these tough skin, husky size, of course, uh, dungarees from, you know, and she would always get them just a little bit larger so that I would grow into them. And again, the same thing is going on when it comes to our shape, who we are, uh, being incredible, is that we need to grow into it. 
and we continue to grow into it for all the days that, that we have. So we're in this process. And, and we need to remember, uh, we shared this verse last week, we need to remember that he, that is God, has shaped each person, and in turn, he watches everything we do. And at first glance, when we hear that voice, most of us go, oh, that's not good because he's watching me. He's, he's looking to see how I use this life, how I leverage that life. And I wanted us to look at it just a little differently last week as, as in a sense that he shaped us and our shape is a gift. Some of us haven't come to terms with that. Some of us don't think it's a gift, but it actually is a gift and he watches us the same way you would watch a child if you gave them the gift of a bicycle. And you would, you would give them the bicycle. Here's this little girl getting ready, and she's obviously got shrink wrap all over her because she's a little nervous about this. But, you know, her parents are watching her, and they're not watching her to see whether she uses it and to, to, to get down on her. They're watching with anticipation that she's going to use the gift that she has and, and, and use it well. And so some of us, when we think of God has shaped us, God has made us, God uh, wants us to be a certain kind of person, and he's helping us to grow into that, we think he's watching us to take missteps. And once we make a misstep, he's all over us. I, I think the opposite is true. And see, you get the little victory dance at the end. I, th I think the opposite is true that when he's watching us, he's watching with anticipation because he wants to see how we grow into this and how we use that gift, how we use our shape. And when we use it well, he, he's celebrating. He's celebrating with us. So this whole idea of being credible, use who God has made you to be, is, is in anticipation uh, last week, I hopefully made it really clear that uh, as we talk about this, and we'll be talking a little bit more as we get into the message, that this whole idea of using your shape, being incredible, say yes to making a difference, is much more than filling slots. It's much more than getting somebody to do something at church or do something in the community. Uh, that, that is all important, but it's much more than that because as we saw last week, the catalyst, and you can go back and listen to last week, the cat, one of the catalysts for our spiritual growth is giving ourselves away. It's serving. It's, it's, it's ministering, having a personal ministry, being helpful. And so any of us who are trying to who say we're following Christ and we want to grow into this relationship, we want to grow into our pair of tough skins, if you will, uh, one of the pieces... One of the components should be serving, should be giving our life away. And when we do get into the rhythm of that kind of a lifestyle, we find that we grow and we find that we're more aware of God's presence. And sometimes a few of us, uh, I've been there, uh, kind of back off from giving ourselves away. You can even do that as a pastor. You can go through the motions. It can be very external, but you're really not giving yourself away. And, and we can back off on that. And then we wonder why God's presence doesn't seem to be as real in our lives. And it's because we're not about what he's made us to be. And that's the family business is, is making a difference in people's lives. And we can, if you're familiar with um, 
you know, church world and those things. You can hear about the Great Commission, the Great Commandment. All of that comes out of that idea. So, so we, have these, we have this shape, and uh, you can find this in uh, Purpose Driven Life. Uh, we have some copies out in the uh, library, I believe, and uh, uh, just uh, Rick Warren comes up with this. It's a great way to think about it, but uh, I've got the blanks filled in for your message guide because we went over this last week. But you can see all these areas that, again, help us understand who we are in connection with God so that we can be incredible. And we take our shape as a gift, and, and, and we see it that way. And, and we, we, again, we come to terms with that, and then after we do that, then we can do, again, the happy dance. And we're happy because we're getting to be who God has made us to be. Uh, Psalm 139 says this, for you, for you created my inmost being. This is uh, referring to God. Uh, David writes this. David is that shepherd boy who becomes king. And uh, he, he discovers that God has, God has created his inmost being, his insides, his being, his, his personality, all those kinds of things. You knit me together in my mother's womb. He was involved. He was aware. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. He's come to terms with that. He says, who you've made me, how you've shaped me, is wonderful. He's not saying it from a sense of arrogance. He's not saying in a sense that I'm better than everybody else. But what he's saying is that you've made me and I can see your fingerprints on my being. And I'm embracing that. And I'm in celebrating that. I'm not comparing myself to somebody else because when we do that, it just, it does not work well. I'm not comparing myself to somebody else to look at how much better they quote unquote are or what their shape is, or I'm not comparing myself to somebody else's shape who just isn't where I'm at to make me feel better. I'm, I'm looking at who God's made me to be, how God wants me to grow, and, and I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm enjoying that. So we've got to come to a place where we start to understand our shape. Now, the one danger of understanding your shape is sometimes you can take that too far, and we definitely live in a consumer-driven culture where there's sometimes there's things that we really aren't shaped for, but every once in a while we got to roll up our sleeves and do it. Uh, like in that opening video, I'm not shaped to do diapers. I don't know if I've met too many people that are shaped, but every once in a while you got to do a diaper, don't you? But for the most part, we ought to live out and serve out of our shape. And uh, for me, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a problem because, uh, because uh, as that great theologian uh, Red Green said, he says this, he says, if women don't find you handsome, they should at least find you handy. Yeah, you know that. Some of you know Red Green. You ought to Google him. And, and basically what he's saying is that you should be able to do handy things. Well, well I am not a handy person. I'm not really a handsome person anyway. Sorry, Cindy, wherever you're sitting, but... Uh, it's, it, that's her ministry. I'm her ministry. I'm her personal uh, whatever. But anyway, but, uh, you, you know, so, so, you know, but that doesn't mean we don't try things. And about two months ago, I came across this thing that my car had to have. Some of you are not going to understand this, but I needed it. My car, it cried for this thing. I saw somebody else had it. And uh, it's, it's, I'll just uh, show you what it is. It, it's, it's this little symbol that, that kind of, you know, goes underneath the door. You know, and you open the door, watch. Isn't that so cool? I had to have one of those. 
$24 for the light bulbs. I could have that. So, you know, I watched the YouTube video. Very simple, right? You know, look at that. I go, I can do this. I can order that. Amazon.com can have it in two days. You know, just, if you just look how easy this is. Just a plug. I know the night's a little dangerous but for me. But, but uh, you know, you do that. And look, it pops out. And, uh, you know, just very simple. And then you take the other one and just put it in there. And, you know, you've got that, you've got that little symbol. I, I mean, it's so easy. But, and, and, you know, I'm just not shaped for this. I, sh I should have known better that it was going to cost me more than $24 to get these little fancy lights in there. Uh, so, so I decided to do it. And, you, you know, I hate to say this about me. If you know me, I'm like all in. So when I get something, I want to do it. So, you know, of course, it's a time where it's snowing, and uh, this is going on. It's snowing outside. Good morning. So it's here early I am. Morning. I decide to do this install. It's snowing out, but I've got to get it done because I need to do it. And it just, it just doesn't work. And, uh, you know, it's all about using your giftedness. And many times we get uh, convinced to do something that just is not what we're gifted to do. And then we find ourselves getting stuck. It was no simpler than putting this little thing in there and I, I, could, I couldn't do it. So anyway, uh, use your shape. So you should feel very sorry for me. And, and you know, and, and again, I, you know, I, there's, the, there's the light bulb after I tried to jam it in there. It's in pieces. And, and the reason my thumb is there is because I actually cut my thumb doing it. So, so, so why I say this is, you know, we need to know our shape. We need to know how God's wired us, and then we need to throw ourselves into it. It doesn't mean we never try anything new. Uh, there's been some things in, in my later life, uh, you know, some of these videos, you may say, don't ever do those videos again, but, but I've kind of learned how to do them. And, uh, uh, you know, in Concord, I had somebody, I would just say, make a video, and they'd make a video for me, and it would be done. But, but here I got I to gotta help make them, and I've kind of grown in that. So it's not anything that's outside your comfort zone, but at the same time, you, you know, we, we really do need to know our shape. And what's amazing is when we know our shape and we know how God's wired us, God's made us, we can be incredible. And this is an unbelievable thought from Paul. And Paul says this, it is God himself who has made us. It's himself. He's involved. He's aware. He didn't just set things into motion and sit back you know, on a beautiful throne in heaven somewhere. He's aware of what's going on. It blows my mind. He's aware of us at an individual, personal level. So God himself, who has made us what we are and has given us new lives from Christ Jesus, our relationship and connection with God comes through Christ and what he's done for us. We're going to be celebrating that and remembering that as we get into Easter and we ask why. Uh, and long ago, he planned it. He's given us this new life. And what's amazing is he's planned it. So there's all these opportunities on the horizon of our life to use who God has made us to be. And God actually, somewhere in the past, not just last night, not, not a month ago, but somewhere in the past, he knew how you were going to be shaped, knew how I was going to be shaped, and he lines it all up. So all of a sudden, there's this moment where we get to spend our lives helping others. And that, that's just unbelievable. And every once in a while I see it. I mean, I think it's going on more than we realize. But every once in a while, I'm living my life and I'm doing something. And I'm living out of my shape. I'm, I'm trying to release my incredibleness, if I can say that, into the world that I'm living in. 
and all of a sudden I find a moment where it intersects, where who I am is right what's needed in that moment. And I go, wow, this must have been one of those moments that God planned way in advance for me to be a part of. Sometimes it happens in a restaurant. Sometimes it happens in my neighborhood. Sometimes it happens at church. Sometimes I just don't know where it's happening. But I, I've, I've come to terms with who I am. Doesn't mean I'm not going to try to grow a little and get out of my comfort zone every once in a while by trying to fix my car. But I probably won't do that for another year again. But, uh, you know, it, you, you have these moments where you spend who you are, the gifts God's given you, and you actually help other people. Now, for the next uh, three or four weeks, even though we're wrapping up this mini-series this morning, we're going to be just kind of leaving it out there about how you and I, again, can say yes to making a difference. Uh, if you came in through the commons this morning, you saw this board in the middle, and uh, it's got all this stuff. Uh, Michelle and Rachel worked really hard on that. And I'm actually going to have them come down forward right now. And we're going to just take a little bit of an interview and talk about this idea of saying yes and how we can serve. And again, yes, it is to get things done. Uh, that, that's a wonderful thing. But, but it's so much more than that. It's, it's really about living out who you are and also growing spiritually. Because as a Christ follower, we're going to say over and over again, that's not going to happen if you're not using who God is made you to be, and you're not using what he pre-planned you to do. So um, good to have you down here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for doing this. Um, they did an excellent job putting all that together. So um, Rachel, as you prepared for uh, this emphasis of being uh, incredible, say yes to making a difference. What kinds of things have you discovered? You've done some research, I know. Yeah, um, it was actually interesting. Rick, uh, my husband, had kind of come across this study done by the University of Berkeley. And they were studying the implications of the social aspect of people's lives when it came to happiness and depression. And um, they had asked um, people from several different countries, several different nations, if you spent several hours a day trying to make yourself happier, could you make yourself happier? And um, some time passed, and they went back. And the people from the United States, they were not able to make themselves happier. At mm. the end, they said, you know, we did this, we did that. We just, we, we didn't really feel much better about ourselves. What was interesting was the people from the other countries that they surveyed came back and said, yeah, we, we actually feel better. And so they said, well, wait, wh what happened there? And what they discovered was that the people from the United States, to make themselves happier, they would go out and they would work harder at their job so that they could get a promotion. Or they would go to a salon and get their hair done or they would buy something. In these other countries, they would go out and they would serve someone else. They would do something for someone else. And it wasn't, it wasn't a conscious decision. I don't think they were saying, hey, I, I feel down, I need to go help someone. But it was just written into the script of their culture that if you're kind of like, I don't want to go out, I don't want to do anything, I should go do something and do something for someone else. And so they, they discovered that when you try to, if I can say, make a difference in someone else's lives, life, you know, yeah. you actually are affected by that. And so, and so, and so as, as you're figuring that out, there's a, 
you talked about it being the rhythm of their life and, and those kinds of things. So how does, um, uh, you know, the difference of embracing versus just accepting and acknowledging, how, how do we, we own this rather than just kind of do it because we kind of have to, if you will? Yeah, you know, I think it's the difference between renting and owning. Okay. There's definitely a different mindset there. When Rick and I were first married, we rented this little, like, one-room cabin in the woods, which was great, um, but about a year and a half in, I was hanging out with my brand-new infant daughter on the floor in the living room, and this thing fell from the ceiling. And I went over, and I looked at it, and it was a maggot. <laughs> so I, I looked at the ceiling. I looked around. I couldn't figure out why this. I thought, oh, it must be a fluke. Well, a few minutes later, another one fell from the tile in the ceiling. And so at that point, I grab a baby, I grab a blanket, I'm like, I'm hanging out outside till Rick gets home. Um, he got home, I said, hey, how was work? Let's move out. <laughs> and explain to him why, and he said, okay. <laughs> so um, because we rented, it was easy for us to just walk away. Hmm. We, we invested, we, we painted, but we weren't willing to invest that much into a house that we were renting. And um, so that day, we knocked on my parents' door and said, hey, cute grandbaby, can we move in? <laughs> and um, they said yes. <laughs> and um, The grandbaby definitely helped the your The grandbaby definitely, yeah, sure yeah I don't yeah. think it was Rick. I don't yeah, think it was me. It yeah, was the baby. Yeah. But, um, you know, when you own something and things get messy, you're willing to invest time and effort and sweat into making it better and you have a long-term mindset and when you're renting it's like you know I, I that's too much for me i don't really want to get into that that's too deep good yeah so again that whole that whole difference of asking ourselves when it comes to service when it comes to the rhythm of our life are we renters or do we really own this thing and is somebody else maybe even putting it on us uh, Michelle, when you when you think of about embracing your faith and 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 embracing your shape and serving, um, what what do you think happens uh, to someone's faith when they really get in there and start kind of living it by giving their life away? Well, I think that um, using your shape gives you a sense of significance and purpose. Um, Reggie Joyner says that um, kids will never feel like their faith is significant until you give them something significant to do. Mm -hmm. um, He's actually referring to several studies that they did that showed that kids who were serving in an area that they're passionate about are more likely to own their faith as adults. But I think this concept applies to adults also. I know in my own life, when I serve with Axis, I feel a sense of joy. Um, and it just, I feel it so boldly in my heart. So so we're, we're in the middle of this emphasis and we're, we're really trying to say, you know, uh, make a difference, say yes, and, uh, you know, it involves relationships. Um, you know, what, what else do you, do you think is going on when, when that happens, Rachel? Um, well, I, I think it's important that we dream big, mm -hmm. but, but that we um, expect real results. And um, it's, it's kind of, who has a Starbucks app? Anyone on their phone? There's no one that has a Starbucks. <laughs> okay. Wow. Well, Dave and I know what this is. We need to have we, a we sermon about like, something yeah. else next week. No, just kidding. No. 
Um, but in a day and age, if I want to go to Tallahassee, Florida, I type it in, and within seconds, I know exactly how to get there. I know the route, and I know if there are traffic patterns that are going slower than, than you know, if I did take another route. Mm -hmm. If I want uh, a venti caramel macchiato, I just push a button, and before I open the, my car door, it's sitting on a counter waiting for me. We live that in a very so awesome. immediate, it is awesome. <laughs> you guys are missing out. Um, we we live in a very immediate, um, gratifying society. And so when things don't happen right away, it's really discouraging, and, and, and I fall into that too. And when it comes to these things like building relationships, it, it's hard to connect changing a diaper or uh, playing kickball with third graders or listening to a bunch of seventh graders talk about the crush at school rather than the Bible study that you're supposed to be talking about. It's hard not to get discouraged, and it's hard to keep that end goal mindset um, that those things take time. Building relationships takes time. You know, weeding the garden, you know, in front of the church, th those are things that are important. And keeping that end goal strategy, you know, as your mindset is really important because otherwise it just, it's discouraging when you don't see the snappy results. And so they're really at the process of growing in. And I, I think, if, I can't remember if it was in the last six months, we interviewed some folks who had done foster uh, parenting. And uh, we had them up and they, they talked about, you know, these situations where they would be involved with somebody's life and they would think they really didn't make any difference. But then all of a sudden, five years later, 10 years later, there's a knock at the door and the person says, hey, you remember me? And yeah, I do remember you. And, and, and some of those situations, the, the person only stayed in that home uh, you know, a week or a few days, and yet it, 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 did, it, it did make a difference over time. It, 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 it was digested, and, and then those, also those times where it was long-term. So, so as, we, as we think about saying yes to making a difference, as we think about how we are um, living out of our shape, how we own it, how we have to grow into it, which takes time, and in some of the situations, it takes time. What are we doing out of the commons? How are we trying to highlight this uh, to get people to, to be thinking about this and, and engage in it? Yeah, so the board will be up for four weeks. Um, in Neon, there's 10 sections with the name of a ministry group at our church, and underneath there are index cards that in bold green letters, they say like the titles of all of the positions or opportunities to serve um, that we have available right now. So Rachel and I will be out there answering questions and you can kind of walk around the board and see um, what the different needs are. And if you see something that stands out to you that you feel like is part of your shape, um, just pull the little card off the board, you can fill it out um, and drop it in the say yes bucket. And then the ministry leader will get back to you in a day or two. But also, if you have other gifts and you don't see something on the board that reflects that, I encourage you to talk to Rachel or, or I or someone because there's always something. There's always a place um, for you. And also, those cards will probably change over the next four weeks. So if you don't see something this week, there'll be surprises there for you next surprises. week. Surprises. I like <laughs> Very good. You want to take that? Okay. All right. Well, thank you, and thank you for all your work. They've been working on this for a long time, so let's give them a. You know, Rachel works really hard as our uh, children's ministry coordinator, and then also Michelle 
doing logistic things for our student ministry. So I really appreciate uh, the way they give beyond uh, and, and do such a great job. You know, as, as they talked about some of those studies and they talked about the connection, uh, we really see Jesus's words coming true in this Matthew 10, 39 uh, time. He says, uh, if your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never find yourself. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, you'll find me and you'll find yourself, you'll find both yourself and me. And this is really this idea as Christ followers, those who have said yes to Jesus, uh, we say yes to who we are in him. And as we kind of lean into that more and more, we find ourselves not losing life, but gaining life. We find out who we are. And we also get an inside track on how God wants to operate in and through our lives. So as we think about being incredible, as we think about shape, as we think about the fact that it's a catalyst in our lives to grow in him spiritually, to grow as a Christ follower, uh, we have to ask ourselves, what kind of uh, things do we wear when we do this? And uh, there's at least three things that we need to be aware of that is very easy for us to slide in and, in a sense, put on these garments as we try to be incredible. And, and two of them are not good, uh, and one of them is good. And the first one we're going to look at is this idea of wearing a bib. Uh, sometimes we, we think that, uh, uh, or we don't even really necessarily do this intentionally, but if we really just stop and slow down and see how we're using who we are, we would discover that we are, we're wearing a, a bib. And it's a fashion statement that says it's all about me, it says, I want things always going my way. It's something that uh, grown-up uh, superheroes are, were looking to wear or not looking to wear. And so we have to ask ourselves, what am I wearing? And from The Incredibles, we can kind of see this attitude that uh, this one superhero really is, is being a kind of a baby. Let's watch him. Super suit? What? Where is my super suit? Uh that this afternoon. <laughs> but we get to this place where we're, we're wearing a bib. He, he, at first glance, looks like he's doing something great and noble and all of that, but he's really, in a sense, being a baby. He's being an infantile. And, and it's interesting that as Christ followers, especially those of us who have, uh, you know, been in church world for a while, it's easy to let that kind of approach kind of get into our thinking. Paul writes, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, live in connection with God, uh, follow his lead, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants, 
And uh, this idea of asking ourselves, what are we wearing? When we discover what our shape is, we have to ask ourselves, what are we wearing with it? Are we wearing a bib or not? And the approach to this is, is basically this, this idea. Uh, Paul goes on and says, I've been talking to you as though you are still babies in the Christian life who are not following the Lord, but your own desires. I cannot talk to you as I would to, as I would to healthy Christians who are filled with the Spirit. And this approach is, is that you and I can get to the place, even when we've been a part of stuff, all of a sudden our approach is what our desires are, what we want. And we want it basically going one way. And, and we're not being healthy, grown-up Christians. Uh, that, that sometimes, uh, I see it on my own life, when all of a sudden I know all this information, and then I get backed into a corner... And I realize all this information hasn't actually transformed me because my reaction is pretty self-centered. It is pretty babyish. And then I realize that I'm using who I am. I'm wearing a bib. And it can happen to the best of us. And so we have to ask ourselves, what am I wearing? As I discover my shape, as I look at those around me, as I'm trying to be helpful, as I'm trying to be a healthy Christ follower, is it, is it just a, a, a vehicle, a way to kind of get what I want, to live the life I want, and it really it's, it's self, self-serving. The action that it goes along with this, uh, Paul talks about also in verse 3, says, as long as you grab for what makes you feel important or feel good or makes you look important, are you really much different than a babe at the breast, content only when everything is going your way? This is, this is hard stuff. But I've, I've been there. Have you been there? Have you, have you been in a situation where you're, in a sense, trying to, you think you're, you're serving, but all of a sudden you realize it's all about you? It's all about your value. I was meeting with the pastors this week. A, a number of us get together on a monthly basis, and we were talking about things like this. And I said, you know, it, it's real dangerous because sometimes if we're not careful, we can leverage our role in people's lives to make ourselves feel valuable or to increase our self-worth. And, and that we shouldn't be doing that. Sometimes we love to be in the middle of something and have the answers for something because it makes us feel better. I have the answers. And that really is self-centered. Sometimes the direction we're moving in, we, 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 we garnish it, we, we dress it up with all kinds of uh, spiritual whatevers, but it really is about us. And it's about us getting our own way. We're like that baby. As long as things are going our way, as long as the way we like it happens, then we're happy. But the minute it isn't what we like, and it's not a right or wrong, we talked about those kinds of things this summer, matters of conscience, conviction, uh, you know, commandment, all that. And, and it's not in those areas. It's just the way we like it. It's our preference. We're falling into this, and we're actually all ready to go, we're ready to be incredible, we're ready to be used by God, we're ready to do those things he planned for us to be a part of way in advance, and yet we're wearing this bib, and it gets in the way. 
that, that's hard. It's hard to come to terms with that. It's hard to come to terms with me when I, when I go, wait a minute. The way I'm maneuvering this, whether it's in my home with my family, whether it's part of church, is really more self-serving than others serving. And, and we, we are masters at playing that game. And this morning, if you're just checking church things out, and maybe you've taken a break from church, maybe you actually experienced the negative side of, of Christ followers claiming all this stuff, having all this great information, being able to quote verses left and right, and that's wonderful and everything. But when it came to being backed into a corner, you discovered they really had a bib on because it was about their desires and the way they wanted things. And you said, man, this is not great. I'm out of here. Sorry about that. It's easy to do. It's easy to do. So we have to ask ourselves. So not only do we have to ask ourselves, are we, are we wearing a bib where it's our desires, it's self-centered, it's a self-centered faith, and as long as things line up the way we feel comfortable with, then we're good with it. But then we also have to ask ourselves, are we wearing a cape? And uh, you may remember this little episode. Capes actually got the superheroes into trouble. Watch this. Ah, something classic, like uh, Dynaguy. Oh, he had a great look. Oh, the cape and the boots. No capes. Isn't that my decision? Do you remember Thunderhead? Tall, storm powers. Nice man, good with the kids. Listen. November 15th, the 50 A's. <laughs> All was well, another day saved, when his cape snagged on a missile pin. Thunderhead was not the brightest ball. Stratogale, April 23rd, 57. Cape caught in a jet turbine. You can't generalize about this. Meta Man, Express Elevator, Diner Guy, Snag on Takeoff, Splashdown, Sucked into a Vortex. No kicks. Now go on, your no suit will be finished before your next assignment. No cakes. You see, sometimes you and I use our incredibleness, our shape, and really what we're doing is we have this cape on and we fly into the moment and we're saying, look at me, I, I'm, I'm here to save the day. It's, it's a fashion statement, it's, it's here I am. And really, if you and I are trying to use our shape, we're trying to be incredible, let our incredibleness out, it's not about wearing capes. It's not about saying, I, I'm in the center. You see, we use our incredibleness to love others. Paul writes about this when he says, love must be sincere. And I don't know if you've ever had those moments where you start off and your love is sincere, and then you arrive, and you've kind of got an answer to the situation. Maybe it's your skill. Maybe it's your personality. Maybe it's your wisdom, whatever it may be. And you're kind of like, whoa, let me in on there. I'm here to save the day. And at first it starts in a good way, but then all of a sudden it's an ego thing. And again, you're getting your self-worth from saving the day. And there's nothing wrong with being pleased in a job well done. But it's amazing how we can take our incredibleness and use it to, in a sense, lift ourselves up. See, cape wearers, you know, do that kind of thing. They arrive on the scene and they say, here I am. It's, it's I'm here to save the day. Rather, we're told, 
Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. It's not wearing a cape. It's not putting all the limelight on ourselves. Never be lacking in zeal and strength and finishing through, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, in patience, in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice humility or hospitality. Bless those who persecute. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. All the opposite of wearing a cape. The approach, real simply, is practically everything that goes on in our world. The wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. Interesting. Interesting. When we are cape wearers, even under the cape of Jesus, and we fly in and think we're the answer, and there's no humility, there's no other, others thinking uh, motivation, uh, it actually isolates us from the Father, doesn't make us closer to the Father. These are, this is, you know, as we talk about everyone's around, these are adult, big boy, big girl issues because we can all fall into them. And it's amazing. This isn't, this isn't issues for teenagers. This isn't issues for people in their 20s. These, sometimes this creeps into the person in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s, in their 70s, in the 80s. And we find that that kind of, I'm here to save the day. Uh, you know, I want my own way. It's for myself. It's to appear important. And all those kinds of things just isolates us from God. And we don't get to use that shape the way he intended us to use it. Um, action, same kind of things. Uh, all of us or all of you must put on the apron of humility to serve one another. For the scripture says, God resists the proud but shows favor to the humble. Just, just let that settle in. God resists the proud. I'm not saying again not to take satisfaction in a job well done, but when there's that cape pride thread and it's strong, he actually resists us. It's actually, whoa, whoa. Yet when there's that humility, uh, when there's that uh, I'm here to serve, I'm putting the apron on. It's not a bib because it's self-serving. It's not a cape because here I am, but it's actually an apron. God is pleased with that. God, in a sense, uh, greases the wheels that make things work so that you can serve even more effectively than the other way. So obviously this is a great transition to the idea of wearing an apron. So, so what, what does that look like? Uh, there's an Incredibles 2, I'm sure you're very fascinated by this, coming out this summer, June 2018. And it has a little twist on it. I, I, I've watched some of the trailers, and so I don't know where the whole movie's going. But uh, this little clip is going to show you the mentality of apron wearing. So watch for it, and you're going to see that Bob is an apron wearer. 
He's not putting on the cape. He's not putting on the bib. He's actually going to try to serve his wife, who's plastic girl. He's going to try to serve her and set things in motion so that she, in a sense, uh, you know, flourishes and grows. Bring supers back into the sunlight. We need Elastigirl. Bye, sweetie. I'll watch the kids, no problem. Supposed to do it, Dad. They want us to do it. I don't know that way. Why would they change math? Math is math. Math is math. All over Dusseldorf. Dussels are dozing. Their eyelids so heavy. They're drooping. Close it! I couldn't have done this if you hadn't taken over so well. I've got to succeed so she can succeed. So we can succeed. I get it, Bob. That is freaky. But I can't keep giving him cookies. Yeah, baby! <laughs> Bob is going to wrestle with wearing an apron. There's a time where no matter who you are and how God shapes you, we have to don the apron. And we actually serve others so others succeed, even when we don't succeed, even when it doesn't seem that way. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, male, female things going on in that little opening there, but Bob is going to stay home so his wife can be all she can be. He, he's wearing, literally wearing the apron in a sense. And uh, there are times in life when we think about using our God-given shape, when we think about who God has made us, where, where we need to serve someone else. And we, we actually serve them in such a way that it lifts them up, even when it pulls us, in a sense, on a, a human perspective down. I mean, isn't that what uh, John the Baptist did for Jesus? John the Baptist says, you know, I must decrease so he can increase. So we have to ask ourselves, are we wearing an apron? Before we go to bed at night, do we lay out our next day? And as we're going through our bureau, our dresser, or whatever, you keep your clothes in your laundry basket, I don't know. Whatever you're going through, are you, when you start to pull that all out, what, what are you pulling out? Are you pulling out a bib? Are you pulling out a cape? Are you pulling out an apron? You see, Jesus says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. You see, it's a part of our DNA as Christ followers. If you're a Christ follower, if you've said yes to him, if you've uh, placed uh, your, your life in his hands for your connection with God, the forgiveness of your sins, then a part of your being is this idea of now I wear an apron. I don't wear a cape. I fight the desire to wear a cape. I fight the impulse to, to wear a bib and to dress it up as spirituality when really it isn't. So how do we approach things? Uh, we, we, again, we, we, we have the same mindset that Christ has in your relationship 
with one another and your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. It's this idea that we look at the relationships we have people. This is where this all gets played out, by the way. You're aware of this. You know, it's great to have all these concepts, all these Jesus alignment ideas in our mind, but the place we actually live them is with people. You know, if you were on a desert island by yourself, you wouldn't actually be able to live these things because you have to be interacting with other people. And so it's in your relationships. Have the same mindset as Christ, and Christ came to serve. He came to give his life away. He donned an apron. When we celebrate uh, or remember Good Friday during Easter week, we'll do the Lord's Supper, and a part of that time on the Thursday. It's called Monday Thursday, which is Mandate Thursday, which is Commandment Thursday, and that's where Jesus washed his disciples' feet. The symbolism is clear about serving as Jesus in apron. Jesus, he had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. And sometimes the longer we live, we get a little more status and we cling to it and we, we, we leverage it for ourselves rather than leveraging it to be an apron wearer instead. That's where we get to wear the cape. That's where we get to wear the bib and claim that it's okay. It's our right to do that. Where, where Jesus wasn't that way. Uh, the action going back to that 1 Peter 5, 5 passage is all of you must put on the apron of humility to serve one another. So how do we do that? Really practically, real quick, some ideas for this. First, we make themselves, we make ourselves up to wear an apron where available to serve. We, we make ourselves available. We, we order our days. Uh, you know, I've had, I don't know about you, but my schedule is pretty active. And so I have to plan things in. I've shared with you before, there was a time where I was trying to get my neighbors to know my neighbors when we lived in Concord. And I actually would put in my calendar, this is pretty sick, porch time. Because if I didn't put porch time in there, I didn't spend time on the porch. I always had something else to do. So a couple times a week, porch time. And I just sit on the porch. And as I sat on the porch, I would meet my neighbors. People would be walking down the street. We lived downtown. So, so there was always traffic going around there. You see, I had to make myself available. I had a schedule for it. Some of you, it's natural. So, some of us have to schedule for it. We have to think about it. I sometimes add more time onto my appointments so that I've got some margin in there so that when I'm, I'm not so busy, like at a doctor's office where you get behind, where I have an extra half an hour to take because you've got to make yourself available. There's just too many things buying for our time. If you're an apron wearer, you look at your day, you're, you, you, you lay it out like you're laying out your clothes, what you're going to wear the next day. Uh, you also pay attention to needs. You have eyes. You see them. Uh, sometimes that means praying, and sometimes that means not praying. It means taking care of it. You don't even need to pray about it. You have the answer to that need. You don't have to go, oh, I'll go back and pray about it for two days and, you know, and in back of your mind, sometimes I'm like, oh, hopefully somebody else will take care of this when I get back to them. No, you pay attention to needs. You do your best with what you have. An apron where it doesn't, doesn't always talk about what they don't have. They look at what they do have. Um, do every task with equal dedication. 
You finish the job. You're engaged. You're faithful to the ministry. You're faithful to the help, being helpful. And faithful means you're not just doing it on the side. Uh, you maintain a low profile, no capes. Now, it doesn't mean sometimes you're not going to get credit. Sometimes people are going to notice, and that's great. But your intent, your goal is not to don the cape on and go flying in and save the day. Uh, you can find more information about this on, from Purpose Driven Life, Chapter 33. So the bottom line is this. Incredible isn't about the wow. It's what you wear it with. So when you look at your shape, and some of you are pretty incredible. It's not about the wow. It's what do you wear with it? Do you wear a bib? Do you wear an apron? Or do you wear a cape? Uh, another thought I had that isn't in your message guide is this is this idea, it's this, the how over the wow, the how over the wow. Some of us uh, get caught up with our shape and, and, and we're wowed by it or we're just fixated on it. But, it, but again, it's not, it's not the wow, it's how we're going to do it. How are we going to engage with it? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, there's a part of us that really want to release the incredibleness in our lives. And there's a part of us that's scared because we know there's a cost to it. We know there's a cost to knowing how you've wired us, how you've shaped us, and then giving it to you. There's a cost to wearing an apron rather than the other two garments. But Lord, there's also a cost not to do it. Our spiritual growth is affected. Our, our holding on to life and losing life rather than giving life away and gaining life. All that hangs into the balance, the way we interact with the way you've made us. The incredibleness you've put into all of us to serve others, to be kind to others, to be helpful. So Lord, I, I would ask that you would help us to be a church family that's known for being credible, not with a cake, not with a bib, but with an apron. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. At this time, I